0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN
0: Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at seven ten seven ten.
1: Oh, hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington. Nay, the world. I am Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show on May 11th, 2021. A Tuesday. A Tuesday that shall henceforth. Be known as the day where Jared Kelnick was allowed into our hearts. Or at least, you know, promoted to the major leagues. Whatever the case, I'm excited. And you should be excited too. Give me a little ambience, more Dooley behind the glass. I would love some right now. Oh yeah. Theme song to the natural in the background. Look. I think we have to be measured in our expectations for him. But at the same time, this is the first... Glimmer of a team that potentially, and I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, could be getting back to a place where this team was at the end of the 90s and in the early 2000s and have been so far from in all of those 20 years since. There's a lot of hype around this guy in Jared Kelnick. And the question that I have for today's show is. How much of an effect does hype have on an athlete's career? You can answer that by texting in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me at Galant Says. You can't really expect dominance right out of the gate based off of hype. Because you look at a guy like Mike Trout. Mike Trout took some time before he finally turned into the future Hall of Famer, arguably best baseball player ever conversation that will be had after his career. It took him some time to get going on that front. It might even be unrealistic to expect Kelnick to have a clue as to what he's doing in the major leagues by the end of the year, given past prospects. But there is one thing that I feel like will help Jared Kelnick meet the hype, and it's the confidence that he has. And if you're looking for it, here he is in an Ask Me Anything session on his YouTube channel talking about how the majors, which he thought as a kid were going to be just otherworldly in terms of how difficult it is, based off of his limited experience, it's not that different than the baseball that he's been playing since he was a teenager. You see, you have this visualization when you're a young kid that, like... Big League Baseball is, like, a different world, right? You go... And you sit and you watch the game and you're like, these guys are superhumans. And then not... Like, not discrediting anyone by any means, but then, when, like, when you get... In, when you're put... You're in those shoes and you're in the batter's box in a Big League Spring Training game, it's no different than the game you've played your entire life. And so, like, that was something that surprised me is I was like, man, I... I, just like any other fan i i would sit there and these guys are superhuman i don't know how they do it well it's the same game that i played when i was 13 years old he has this calm demeanor with the confidence that i feel like is the perfect thing to have if you are a baseball player you want to be able to maintain i would imagine just a level emotion whether you're crushing the ball over a couple of games, or you're in the midst of a slump. I think you just want to be able to go steady. And I am 100% making too much out of quotes and what I've heard from the guy and from our sit-down that we had with him last year at spring training in Peoria. I know this. I will acknowledge it. But I do think that that confidence is going to go a long way with him. How far? Who knows, really. The idea that he will be able to be the next Ken Griffey Jr., or Alex Rodriguez, or even Ichiro Suzuki, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I really don't know on that front. I am hopeful, though, and I am optimistic about it, and I feel like because of that demeanor, there is a chance. What is his hype based on? I think partly it's based off of the confidence. Partly, it's based off the fact that he is just an incredibly strong player. You've heard some of his teammates talk about him in spring training, how he might be the strongest Mariner right now. 21 years old. Doesn't even have that old man strength, and I guess this is based off of the weightlifting that he does. He has tremendous power. He also has impressive speed, considering how absolutely yoked he is. So you add all of those things up, and it definitely feels like this guy is different than the average hyped prospect that finally breaks it from the minor leagues into the majors. I don't think there's a lot of national hype, though, and that's not a problem. I, I think that's actually good. I think in the case of Jared Kelnick, most of the conversation that's had with him nationally is about, wow, Kevin Mather's an idiot for making those comments and basically admitting that the Mariners may have been manipulating service time, something that Jerry Depoto disagrees with. And I think the other one is, oh, wow, the Mets screwed up classic Mets because the Mets had Jared Kelnick and they basically gave him up along with Justin Dunn for Robinson Cano. Foolish move. I think that's going to help him too. Most of the pressure is going to be pressure that is locally placed upon him, but I feel like more of that pressure is actually on Jerry Depoto and on Scott's service. You could text in 710710. How much of an effect does hype have on athlete's career? When I look now at that two-headed ruler of the Seattle Mariners, the co-consuls, although essentially Jerry DePoto's is the one running the show and you got got um, Scott Service that's basically carrying out his orders, this is where you start officially judging them, I think. Now, some of you guys have been following these two for quite some time, and they have been here for quite some time, and this is the last year of their contracts. But what Jared Keltnick does right now is, this is going to, I think, determine whether or not this thing is going on the right direction. And that puts pressure on Jared Kelnick, but only from the perspective of, I think, Jerry Depoto and Scott Service. I think a lot of their future is going to be reliant on whether or not they made the right decision in bringing this guy up, and if they, of course actually handled this the right way and and that is up for debate I mean last year I think you could have made the argument given some of the guys that were in the outfield last season that Kelnick was clearly better than them take a look at some of the averages that some of these guys had last year there's a strong case to be made that he should have been on the team during last year's shortened season but would you really want him on that team for last year's shortened season in a weird way I know that it's kind of a gross part about baseball but it's good for the Mariners that they do get that extra year of service time. Will Jared Kelnick hold a grudge six years later and and not move on from it? Especially if the Mariners win, I I feel like that has perhaps been a little bit overplayed that Kelnick is so just turned off by this franchise right now. I, I we'll we'll see how how things pan out, but I do think that that Mather story, while an issue, that is I think something that is most attached to it as far as the results that we expect out of him thus far. Because I think a lot of people, because they feel, based off of the Mather comments, that he was held back so that they can hold him for an extra year. And now, based off of only seeing a week of him at the AAA level, feel like there's some credence to that. But there is something that, maybe I'm just being over-optimistic and naive, where I feel like those things could easily be forgotten. It's just a matter of if this team wins. And that means that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service are gonna to have to manage the rest of the young players that are in this team's farm system in the absolute correct way. And thus far with Evan White, doesn't seem like it's working out. I'm Paul Gallant, this is the Paul Gallant show. 710710 is how you text in on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world. One text. With great hype comes great responsibility. Another texter, this person Follows every site for baseball, all the chats, all the communities. There is huge national hype for him. It's different with national hype these days. I, I think in baseball now we we don't quite have the same market-to-market hype for the non-seam heads in us. I feel like the idea of one young player coming up into the major leagues is not something that is going to turn the earth on its axis. I mean, this, this is an afterthought on the front page of ESPN compared to any Tim Tebow news, which, by the way, Gets me thinking that it's time to perhaps talk a little bit of Tim Tebow in what's trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Mora Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Mora Dooley behind Hi. the glass. And uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, let's want to just get the Tim Tebow news out of the way first. Sure. Yeah.
2: Urban Meyer is uh, not being smart with his moves, in my opinion.
1: Signing Tim Tebow to play tight end at age 33 when the one time that we have seen him go out for a route with the New York Jets where he, was easily had a, he easily had a pass intended for him defensed and it bounced straight up in the air. It's an uphill battle for him. There's a part of me that wants to see him make the roster because so, peop- so many people will get mad and this is just the weird I want to watch the world burn side of me. <laughs> but this is a slap in the face to I would say just about every single young free agent tight end that's out there right now. Is this a good move for Jacksonville, though? It might be a good move for the franchise. It honestly might be. That's the weird thing about it. There's going to be a distraction, no doubt, and I doubt that he will be well-liked in the locker room. But, I don't know, maybe there's a common enemy that Tim Tebow turns into for the entirety of that locker room over the course of training camp. And in the short term, there's a little extra excitement that's attached to the Jacksonville Jaguar brand in northern Florida, which doesn't have a whole lot given that, you know, they play a couple of games in London every single year.
2: I just think it's the second move after hiring that, what was it, Iowa strength and conditioning coach that had gotten fired for being racist and mistreating players. Um, But he said, well, but I know him, so we're good to go. And then now you've got, well, you know, I love Tim Tebow because I coached him in college, and so it doesn't matter that he hasn't played since 2012. I just think that is the wrong message to send to your locker room.
1: I agree. It's not a good one. And I doubt they're going to get anything out of him that helps. Is he going to be able to block? That's probably the most important thing that a tight end can do. Is he going to be able to actually catch passes? We all know he can run with the football. But those two are pretty critical when it comes to being a tight end.
2: Where would you you put the odds that he makes the team?
1: 5%.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty low. They're pretty low. But then I think Urban Meyer's doing unnecessary damage. Like, especially if he doesn't make the team. You probably just two examples in the offseason that you gave your team that it's not really about competing for you. It's about backdoor deals and friendships. So,
1: Huzzah, friendship.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, we'll get to some sad news that broke right before the show um, that you brought to my attention here first. Former Hawaii quarterback and Heisman Trophy candidate Colt Brennan has died at the age of
1: 37. That's really sad. Just 37 years old and a guy that – absolutely tore up college football didn't have a huge career in the nfl played for washington for a couple of years but he had a 58 touchdown pass season all those years ago and you know those hawaii teams were a lot of fun if you watched waction late at night timmy chang's team colt brennan's team rest in peace 37 that's way too early
2: All right. Ian Rappaport said yesterday that the Packers offered Aaron Rodgers a significant contract extension long term, but things are still tense between the two sides, with Rodgers even talking to teammates about possibly following him elsewhere. One of those teammates, Devontae Adams, talked to Colin Cowherd about that.
0: Potentially. Potentially. I mean, it, that's my guy. That's the the only guy that I've had, um, you know, other than that um, 2017 season when he got hurt. It's the, it's the only guy that I played with and Um, You know, we built up a special connection over the years that has made it, you know, put us both in really good positions in our career. Um, You know, not that he needed me to come along for it because he was already in that spot, but we established a lot together. So it would change a lot, man. Um, You know, doesn't mean potentially I'd be gone, but, um, you know, i definitely have to do some extra thinking if if my guy wasn't here.
1: That last part is interesting because this is the last year of Devontae Adams' contracts and... I would imagine that if Aaron Rodgers were to move on, he would not want to be in Green Bay anymore. That's his polite way of saying that. And he's showing the public support. I think he had an Instagram post where he said essentially something along the lines of, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Appreciate what you have while you have it. And then Aaron Rodgers liked the post. He was clearly referring to Aaron Rodgers there. Here's the thing. If Aaron Rodgers is gone, he's getting franchise tag. Devontae Adams. There's no way the Packers are going to let their two best players go within a year. Nope. Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. You could have made a case last year that he was the best wide receiver in the NFL based off of the statistics, the touchdown reception specifically. I think he had almost 20. So with that in mind, it's something I guess Green Bay has to keep in the back of their head, but they got to just trade Jordan Love. Just move on from him. He's not going to accept the contract extension unless you do that, and I just don't see why the Packers feel the need to have this emergency exit with Jordan Love, given what you saw from Aaron Rodgers last season. You're not going to get the return on value that you want for Jordan Love, but it's not about the return on value anymore. It's about making your quarterback happy, and this is one of those situations where it's not like with the Seahawks and and Russell Wilson, where I would have dared Russell Wilson to sit out, and I know he wouldn't have. With the Packers, Aaron Rodgers I do think would sit out. I, I do think that's a possibility. And there's only one way I think to make him feel a little bit better. If you're not going to go about firing Brian Gudekunst, which I do think is a little bit of a rash demand that he has, then move on from the guy that he for whatever reason traded up into the first round to get, despite, you know, the team making the NFC championship game the year before. That is what's trending brought to you by King's Heating and Air. This hour of the Paul Gallant show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. After all, this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, and nay the world. And by the way, we're giving you 31 chances to win a station-logoed smart speaker. Go to 710sports.com slash win to learn how. And say play 710 ESPN Seattle to your smart speaker. You can listen to us all day long from the comfort of your home again 206-421-3776 my question of the day how much of an effect does hype have on an athlete's career it's time for you guys to be heard
0: your voice your opinions it's time to be heard every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant be heard
1: 710 710 that my friends is how you text in This is really the chance for Mariners management to prove they can do something right for the first time ever. Now that's extreme. I would say that there were some moments that they handled all things considered decently at the end of the nineties. I'm not sure that as many things were in their hands as if you look back at in retrospect and think that they might've been the Randy Johnson situation seems like one that they really did bungle ken griffey jr though asked out of town and a-rod got offered a ridiculous contract that i don't think the mariners had any idea was what he was getting it was 250 million dollars from the rangers that's it's insane so you could definitely look at those moments in time and say wow they let all those guys go for free it's a bad look since then of course yeah you have you have uh, Zanino, you have Ackley, you have guys that were probably brought up a little bit too soon. Evan White might be the latest example of that. But I do think that this is perhaps the turning point. You have to look at it as that if you're optimistic. And if you're pessimistic, I can understand why you think that he might have been called up a little bit too early. Evan is in Pialup two zero six four two one three seven seven six. Evan, what's going on, my friend? Yeah, uh, about the height question. Um, uh... I don't really think it's a big difference. makes a huge difference, personally. I mean, look at the Seahawks, for example. They just drafted that corner in the fifth round, and he's short. Um, so, I mean, they're already changing their mind in that thing. You got people like Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson. Oh, I'm not talking about Zayton. height. I'm not talking um, about height. I'm talking about hype.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, I misheard it. i <laughs> Evan we appreciate the phone call You have yourself a wonderful day That happens from time to time Hype. Should I say it as a two syllable word Will that help out people a little bit more Every now and then I do speak a little bit quickly So I can understand why sometimes people don't know What the heck I'm saying But that might be a failure on my part I did not meet my own hype People think of me as the loudest person ever And yet here I am probably mumbling the word height instead of hype Or something along those lines A texter brings up Mike Trout and his early career. Mike Trout was a guy who was exceptionally hyped and in 2012 ends up being the rookie of the year. But he spent some significant time in the minor leagues after coming up to the Angels and I think in his first 12 games only hitting 163 with one home run and six runs batted in. It was more of a gradual process, process for Mike Trout. I mean, he, he didn't come straight up in the way that Jared Kelnick did. We're talking five games at the AAA level, four games, before they decide that, hey, yeah, it's it's time. And, and that is surprising, at least based off of what we have been told. And I think that that does lead some to maybe surmise that this is an overreactive move by the Mariners, either to the struggles of their lineup or hopes that he is going to be the guy that, I guess, keeps them in contention at this point in time? Or maybe maybe this was agreed upon. And that's something that I think we're going to need to get the answer from from Jerry DePoto when he joins Danny and I Thursday at 8.30. What was it that he was looking for? Because I remember Jerry told us that he wanted to see Jared Kelnick hit consistently against lefty arms. Because that's not something that he had gone up uh, against a whole lot of, I guess, during last year's alternative training site season. And look, he you saw him with a couple of big-time hits off of lefty bats. He hit a home run. He had that deep single to um, left center field last night which was as close to being gone as I think you could possibly get on a single. What was it that over five games Jerry saw so vividly? And maybe that was the conversation. Maybe the conversation was, look, Jared, if you didn't get injured in spring training, you would have been up with the roster to start, but you didn't have enough reps there. So we wanted to give you a few, just a sprinkling at-bats at the AAA level and then we would see what you can do. There's been a lot of hyped players in Seattle sports history. Young players, maybe free agent signings, or guys that were brought in internationally, like Anichiro Suzuki. I'm curious as to how the Gras feels about the hype levels around Jared Kalnick, and if Kalnick's going to be able to meet those, and honestly, why the Mariners so quickly decided to promote him to the major leagues after this brief stint in the minor leagues. That's coming up next, the Sports Pit with Dave Grosby. We'll talk all things hype
0: next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the Sports Pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some frickin' toughness... You're going to get your – you're going you're gonna to fail with Paul
1: on. And joining me in the sports pit is the great and powerful Graz, thanks to Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. And if you've got a question for the Graz, text it in. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Graz, what's up, buddy? Hanging in there, Paul. How are you doing today, pal? I am doing wonderful because Jared Kelnick is finally going to be on this team. But perhaps, Graz, given the history of some young players in this organization, mm-hmm. I should be a little more measured – I'm having a hard time being measured today.
0: Well, I decided to forget about other guys in this organization and just compare him to uh, his contemporaries, uh, guys who, who have a tremendous amount of hype coming up, and, and you know see how his because the issue is at bats, right? Is, is how many at bats? Why, why did he need 22 at bats at AAA uh, to, to be called up? And um, he's got so I, I did it based on double A at bats or more. Uh, against some of the top guys that have come up, like like Juan Soto, for example, of, mm-hmm. of Washington, thirty five at bats, double uh, A or, or above before he came into the majors, and boom, he, he hit like a ton of bricks. Fernando Tatis Jr., you're familiar with him, of course. Yes, four hundred sixty at bats, double A or better. Uh, Francisco Lindor, another great great young player, eight hundred twenty four bats, double A or better. Aaron Judge, nine hundred eighty double A at bats or better. Jared Kalanick. 105 at-bats at double-A or better. So Soto did it, but he's the only one who's done it. That's
1: concerning, hearing that. And it makes you wonder just about the process of the Mariners, given that we seem to be under the understanding that the reason that he had not been brought up is because they wanted to see a significant amount of minor league at-bats, and yet here we are with the amount that you just mentioned, which is very, very few compared to all those other big names.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the double-A level, and and you're right, it, it, it's, um, we'll see if it's concerning or not, because again, I put in, so- looked at Soto there as a guy who absolutely lived up to the hype and, and was, you know, took him a little while, a very little while to get going and, and immediately was booming, so, you know, we'll see, but normally, normally you want guys to have more at-bats, but I think we all know that, uh, you know, the, the forces that were gathered on this one uh, did not necessarily have anything to do with, with how he was playing and and uh, had had more to do with some bad publicity. But look, he was hitting 400. I mean, I, I don't know why he didn't. At this point, I think we're all wondering why was he just with the team out of spring training? Yeah, that's I mean, th- that's that, where that, I'm that, at that's, right that's now. That's what you wonder about. Yeah, because for 22 at bats. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is. Uh, I mean, I'm going to assume this has helped them contract-wise with him in some way, shape, or form. But um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, and, and he can erase it all by just playing well.
1: Even last year. You know, when you take a look at the other guys that were on the roster and yeah, 60 game season, but there was no minor league season last year, I was of the mindset, you know what? Why not? Why not? It's probably not the best rationale for bringing a young player up, but given some of the struggles that they had, maybe he could have had more valuable reps last year, gotten a little bit closer to the level that they want him playing at. I understand that clearly there were some service time uh, reservations that were at the very least within the organization when Kevin Mather was here. Now that Kevin Mather is gone, yeah, maybe this is a make good, as you just said a little bit ago.
0: Yeah, because uh, it would have made sense to do exactly what you said. I mean, forget about a sixty-game season; he would have had a chance to, you know, to work with the uh, work with the major league club, maybe just get a few at bats during the course of the season. But it would have started his clock, and that's something that they wanted to kind of protect a little bit. And and unfortunately, you know, they got pantsed by Kevin Mather. I mean, <laughs> everyone was kind of doing it. And, uh, you know, they got exposed for, for doing exactly what everyone else has been doing in Major League Baseball. So they, they were kind of between a rock and a hard place, especially when they had so many guys come up, as, as we've talked about, you know, hitting under 200 and, and just not, 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 not producing, period.
1: How much of an impact do you think that hype has on an athlete's career? It can have a
0: huge impact and it can be a very it's, – it's rare that it's a positive impact. Uh, normally guys uh, who, are, who are hyped up too much when they get started kind of overcome it uh, more than anything else. I mean, there are very few guys that just thrive in it. Um, you know, most guys, it, it creates extra pressure. And for some guys, it, it crushes them before they can get started. So, you know, this is hype here is different than it is in other places uh, out in Seattle and, and in smaller environs like this. But, you know, I mean, I, for example, I don't think people are going to be booing this kid. If he starts off uh, struggling, I don't think people are going to be yelling at him like they would have been in New York and and whatnot and some other places, so it's not necessarily as tough here, but hype is normally not a good thing for young players.
1: Yeah, I would imagine, especially you take a look at the case of Brian Bosworth, the boss back in the day, Uh, where that clearly was something that was an obstacle, and I think it makes people believe that his career in the NFL was a complete failure. I don't know if it was that, but it definitely was one that did not live up anywhere close to that hype, and I'm sure that that probably ate at him a lot.
0: I'm sure that it did, too. And, you know, if you you could talk to Dave Wyman, his old teammate, he'll tell you it's a shoulder injury, that he actually had played well uh, while he was here until, until that happened. But that did not make any difference, as you pointed out, because, because of the way he was hyped. Um, you know, then there's Bo Jackson. who, yeah. who, is, who you, could, you couldn't overhype. Right. I mean, it was not possible to overhype the guy. You know, he lived up to every single expectation. So, you know, it, it it can depend on the guy for sure, and and you know the the a lot of eyes will be on Kellenick obviously here, but uh, again this is this is the sort of place even though um, it's it, it's not it's not the happiest fan base considering the 20 years of not being in the postseason, but it's likely to treat him a little bit better if he struggles than some other ones might. I,
1: I, from a history perspective, you are the man who knows all things sports, the sports librarian of Seattle. I want to oh, go no back in time. There are some other old Seahawks that I'm curious as to how hyped they were when they first came into the picture. We Aaron Curry, we know that he was a, a big deal. He was sure. supposed to be the sure thing. But guys like Rick Myra and Sean Springs when they were first mm. taken, because Myra, of course, the second overall pick in 1993, quarterback and uh, out, of, out of Notre Dame, and then you had Sean Springs in 1997. Are there, any, are there any other Seahawks that come to mind as guys who are really hyped and maybe they lived up to it, maybe they didn't coming out of college?
0: Um, well, you're right about uh, the two you mentioned, Meyer and, and Curry. Uh, you know, it seems like most, most every year you have guys, you know, I guess it's sort of different now that, that we we pay so much attention to the draft and everything like that um, going into it. Um, you know, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, Joey Galloway was a guy who, yeah. was, who was hyped a lot and and kind of lived up to it. You know, kind of did. I, I mean, um, but, but otherwise, you know, for years and years the Seahawks were – it felt like they were a seven and eight, uh, seven and nine, eight and uh, nine and seven team, and were picking in the middle, so you didn't have as much of that sort of stuff going on. You haven't had a whole lot of guys. Sean Springs definitely was. Um, there's no doubt about that. But you know, the guys who have hit it the biggest are are more Russell Wilson types, are guys that, that weren't necessarily hyped at the top of the draft, and, and then, um, then wound up exploding.
1: One texter brought up Dan McGuire. Um, that's Mark McGuire's brother, the the giant quarterback, right? And that did not work out well at all.
0: That was the year I got here. It was his rookie year, and, and he was already a disaster. Oh no! I mean, he was he, he was he was a, he just it was un, he should have been drafted where he was drafted, and 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 really could not play, just couldn't play. So yeah, he was he was a total bust. Uh, you know, one of the biggest that have been here. You know, Rick Meyer was 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 a bust that he had a lot of having a long NFL career and had a decent rookie season here. But the big part of that one was that Bledsoe was, was the number one pick and was on the other side of the state. And everyone was kind of hoping and praying that he might be picked here. And he wasn't. So, it took a little bit of the, the, the luster off Meyer, who, again, had a decent rookie season, but, but did not do anything after that. It's
1: weird how things work. I, now, I, I don't know what my interest in sports would be without Drew Bledsoe perhaps uh, coming to the other side of the United States of America, because that guy was my guy growing up. Was it ever a possibility that Bledsoe wasn't going to be taken of, uh, first overall?
0: I don't think so. I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, it was pretty sure. It seemed pretty likely that 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 was going to be the case. It was really a a hope against hope sort of mentality. You didn't have the the number of you know outlets you know talking about stuff like that, and in particular the draft. You only had a couple, and and most everyone figured Bledsoe was going number one. So there was there was a it was an outside chance, but really I don't think people really truly expected that it was going to happen.
1: What are your expectations for for Kelnick right out of the shoot?
0: I'm like everyone else, man. I, I'm excited to see if he's the real deal. I mean, he, he's he, he's propped up as such. He, uh, he he's going to be dealing with pressure. I I I can't think of anything that they're going to. I don't know why they wouldn't just put him in the lineup. I'm just assuming that, as everyone else is. I mean, you're bringing him up to play. You're not bringing him up to watch. And I think uh, you know, based on the little bits that we've seen, it's it's you're excited. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that's exciting. And I kind of you know, I'm going to have fingers crossed a little bit that. That he doesn't he doesn't hit and get into a um, too big a I don't know what the right word is here but but get into a situation that 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 really works his head he just gets in too big a slump starting you know is what I'm hoping doesn't happen but like I said to you Paul I mean it's been 20 years of of, of bad luck and everything like that yeah. this is this is way overdue for a guy like this to come up and just hit so why not. Why not? How about how about, he, how about he steps right up and is everything that he was he was hyped up to be?
1: He's the conductor for another Dare to Dream Express. How about that?
0: <laughs> Shoveling all
1: that coal. The one and only Graz, brought to you by Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. Graz, thank you so much as always, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Sounds great, Paul. That is the Graz again, brought to you by Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. Coming up next. Okay, well, if you have thoughts on what the hype levels for Jared Kalnick should be, seven ten seven ten is how you text in. You could call in too. Two zero six. 421-3776. The realistic expectation for Jared Kelnick should be what? I'll answer that for you next.
0: You're listening to Paul Gallant.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: My expectations for Jared Kelnick, out the shoot. might be unfair, but... Is it really going to be that hard to hit 250? All right, maybe that's too much. Is it going to be so hard to have the second-best batting average on this team? Because that would be what 250 would give you at this point in time right now. Mitch is hitting 258. Kyle Seeger's hitting 242. Is that possible? I think I'm projecting a little bit. Every single player is different. But I remember when I was in Houston. Trash cans, yep. They happened. Yep. I get it. When Carlos Correa first came up in 2015, he consistently hit, and he ended up hitting 279 over the course of his rookie season. And he did it after a couple of months at the AA level and at the AAA level. It is possible to see a young player that doesn't have a whole lot of time at those intermediate, high levels of minor league baseball to perform. At a high level. He did that. And his play was good enough with 22 home runs and 68 RBIs. To help the Astros somehow make it into the wild card playoff. Where they beat the Yankees and they almost beat the Kansas City Royals. In the first round of the playoffs. Every player is different. But I do feel with the confidence that Kelnick has shown. That that's not impossible with him. For him to come in here and to immediately contribute. Uh, One texter asks, where would you hit him in the lineup? Well, I don't know if this is perhaps just surmising entirely based off of the way that the Tacoma Rainiers have been putting their lineups out, but I would imagine that the fact that he has led off in every single game thus far for the Rainiers means that's a possibility. And, you know, you want to make another comparison. I'm sorry making comparisons to Houston teams all the time, but a young player who came up For the Houston Astros in the past decade, George Springer was and has been an absolutely lethal leadoff hitter. He's got the speed. Kelnick has the speed. He's got the power. Kelnick has the power. Having a guy that can lead a game off with a home run, that is a really terrifying prospect to have as your leadoff hitter. So maybe you keep J.P. Crawford in that role. Crawford has been hitting well recently. But... I think that leadoff is a possibility. As far as what you do when you first come up to the majors, the safe spot is to put him in six. But if you really have expectations for him, you say, why not put him in the leadoff spot? I imagine, though, he's going to have to earn his stripes to get that leadoff spot with the way that J.P. Crawford has been hitting. Uh, 206-421-3776. That is how you call in to the Paul Galancho, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington. Nay, the world. Pat, what's going on? Well, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, sir.
0: Well, I'm really excited about Gilman coming up. Um, I think his attitude, kind of his brashness, cockiness, will actually help him out. Um, I think, uh, you you know, he's got that take on the world kind of attitude, which will, uh, you know, what are we going to wait for? I don't think there's anything to wait for. We don't have anything that we're losing out by trying this out first. And um, I'm really excited about it. I, 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 I kind of hesitate to put him at the leadoff spot. Um, I think six would be about perfect. Uh, if he works his way up to that leadoff spot, that would be what I would envision.
1: That might be the eventual goal, goal better, honestly, if that's but, how they've been using him thus far. Anyway, continue, Pat.
0: I have I have no idea on his speed. Uh, maybe you could help me out on that because you know you really want a very speedy guy at leadoff. He's
1: fast. He is fast, yeah. and he is a guy that can steal bases. And uh, you know that that is something that you don't really have a whole lot of right now in in the lineup. So I I feel like that is definitely. A strength that he could bring to the table if he is eventually put into that leadoff role. And that's probably, Pat, you're correct. I appreciate the phone call. You're correct in that. That probably isn't the smartest idea to go with him in the leadoff role right away. All I'm saying is that based off of his at-bats in Tacoma, he has led off in every single game, all five of the games thus far. So that is noteworthy at the very least. Uh, you can text in 710710 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington, nay the world. Carlos Correa had 1,165 minor league at-bats. Kelnick has 120. Yeah, you're right. Same age, but a significant difference in terms of experience between the two of them. And we'll see. Again, this past year really ruined a lot of things. This guy, though, as Pat just pointed out in the call, I really do feel like he has the kind of confidence that's going to allow him to stay level in moments where he is going through slumps, but also perhaps keep him going when he gets on a hot streak, which I think he will have some over the course of his early, early career. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, over or under on Kalanick 15 home runs this season? Well, it's early. Over. Yeah, that's not bad. 15? I know that T-Mobile Park's pretty big, so it might be difficult, but 15 shouldn't be too hard, right? I mean, we saw Kyle Lewis crushing it last year. How many did Kyle Lewis have last year? Off the top of my head, I forget. Kyle Lewis home runs. Looking that up really quickly. Okay, that's giving me statistics for the wrong year. So, here you go. Uh, last year,
2: last year. 11.
1: 11. Thank you very much, More Dooley. That was just dreadful radio right there. But, hey, guess what, guys? We really appreciate y'all tuning in to the Paul Galancho, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington. Nay, the world, you, of course, can text in whenever you want, guys, on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. We appreciate all you texters, including you, texter, who's challenging my athletic ability. Please try and cover me. You cannot. For the Graz, for our callers, to the one and only Maura Dooley behind the glass, a hearty thank you. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Jake and Stacy are next. Danny and I will be back at you tomorrow at 7.